Hi coaches, this is Whitney from the Get the Pancake podcast, a podcast for volleyball coaches. In today's episode, I have a super exciting topic for you guys. Today's podcast I think is going to be perfect for anyone who is coaching a school team right now, if you are listening in real time. And in the future, if you are having issues with your team, maybe there's some team bonding that you need to do, but you're not really sure what to do, and you're kind of sick of all the icebreakers that are floating around out there on the internet. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of icebreakers out there, but I think this is a great team bonding activity, plus it has a higher purpose. So today's episode is going to be about identifying a common enemy. It sounds a little (laughs) aggressive, but what we're doing is we're taking some theories about group development and leadership and applying them to your volleyball team. This is going to bring your team together so they can rally around this idea of having an enemy that they are joining forces together to face. So when I talk about theories, I'm specifically talking about Tuckman's stages of group development. If you've never heard of that specifically, uh, I really encourage you to look it up. You might also know it by another name, which is just the forming, storming, norming, performing model. We're going to be using that today as well as some concepts from the Leadership Challenge, which is a book that I absolutely, absolutely 100% recommend. I've recommended it before. I think it is just a great resource for not only coaches, but also players. If you have someone on your team who's looking for leadership responsibilities, trying to have a leadership role on the team. There's also a leadership challenge for students book. Either one I would highly recommend, but in the leadership challenge, there are essentially five tenets, I guess, to good leadership. And one of those is inspire a shared vision. So Tuckman's stages of group development, and then inspiring a shared vision from the leadership challenge. I'll include a link to both of those in the description if you want to do additional research. But that's what we are using to come up with this idea of identifying a common enemy. So the main purpose here is to get your team to bond together. I would set aside maybe up to an hour. I don't anticipate it taking that long, but if your team is already sort of gelling together, already bonded, they might be really excited and spend more time talking this through. The teams who probably need it the most won't spend as much time, but I would anticipate at least 30 minutes, if not an hour. I would recommend doing this at the beginning of practice. That way, once everyone's fired up, maybe you can just run into some game-like drills, high-intensity drills, and finish on a good note for the day. Let me lay out here what I want you to do when you're coming up with this common enemy. Before we dive into the actual exercise that I want you guys to do, I want to talk about why this is important. Having a common enemy that is outside of the team is so important because there's already so much competition going on within your team that you don't want your players to view each other as the competition. You want them to see something outside of the team as what they are up against. So an example of that, let's say me, Whitney, I'm on the team and I play outside, but I really, really want to play middle. However, Hannah plays middle. 
And maybe in my mind, I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, that's not fair. I want to play middle. I'm better than Hannah. And so I sort of developed this mindset of Hannah being my enemy because she's playing in the role that I want to have. Or maybe there's competition over starting or not starting. Maybe I'm the second setter on the team and I start out on the bench. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well... I'm a lot better than Jessica. What is she doing starting? That's not fair. If that's my mindset, I'm not behaving in a way that is conducive to not only Jessica becoming a better setter, I'm not supporting her as loudly as I should be or cheering for her and giving her high fives at practice that helps her grow as a player. But I also have this little chip on my shoulder that's holding me back as well. And a lot of players don't realize that having negative feelings towards their teammates holds them back. But it does because you're not able to fully grow. You're worried about other people and your performance. And it kind of holds you back being afraid to make mistakes because you're trying to beat someone else at practice. Now, competition is good when it's not negative. Let's instead of me trying to compete with Hannah, now Hannah and I are viewing ourselves more as teammates against competition outside of the team. So it's not just as simple as, oh, we're playing Lake Ridge tonight. We need to go and beat them because your players aren't going to have that mentality in practice, most likely, if they're too worried about their specific role on the team and trying to be in competition with each other. External sources of competition could be ideas. They could be people or specific teams. Those are, those are really the two to three examples that I can think of. Your team might be more creative and come up with additional ideas, but I feel like most teams will come up with enemies that are either ideas or teams. So in this exercise, what I want you to do is to bring your team together. I think a really great way to include everyone and to be supportive of different personalities, the best way to do this is to let players brainstorm on their own for a couple of minutes and think about what enemy could there be that we can all come together and fight against. Bring everyone in, explain the purpose of this bonding activity, that you want to have a common enemy, and then let them go on their own, write down a couple of ideas, maybe for five minutes. And this is going to let your more introverted and quiet players, they're going to be able to get their ideas out this way without fear of rejection from other, maybe louder teammates. Once you have collected all of the ideas from your team, I would mix up the papers personally, um, and really discourage teammates from trying to guess who wrote what. By keeping everything anonymous, you're protecting the ideas of the players who are maybe shy and maybe have a little more anxiety related to sharing those ideas. And this is where we're going to start to have a group discussion. We're gonna do some group brainstorming. The only rules here are that everything needs to be appropriate and respectful. That's it, so there are no bad ideas, that's something really important to reinforce with your team at this point. So when you're brainstorming in a group, what I want you to do is read ideas off of all the papers. And as you're reading, your players are probably going to have ideas develop from what you're reading and let them shout out the answers. We don't need this to be um, everyone raising their hand and waiting patiently. Let them get excited. Let the energy build. 
the higher the emotion, the more the players are going to bond as long as everyone is included. So make sure, kind of monitor that everyone is participating, even if it's just nodding and agreeing every once in a while. You don't want someone spacing off watching a different team or anything like that. Everyone needs to be participating. And you don't have to call someone out. If someone's not paying attention, just say something like, hey, Katie, Audrey just had this idea. What do you think about that? Do you have anything to add to that? That way you're not exposing her for not listening, but you're bringing her back into the conversation and then she's gonna continue to pay attention because she knows she could get called on at any time. Again, it's really important that you stress that there are no bad ideas. Even if someone says something really silly, really off the wall, it's okay. And if people think that it's a bad idea, it's a good idea for that reason. A bad idea, quote unquote, shows that that's not the direction that the team wants to go and therefore it serves a purpose. So on the surface, maybe it's not the direction that your team wants to go, but it clarifies it for everyone that that's not the direction we wanna go. We wanna redirect and move forward maybe on another idea. The reason we're also just sort of allowing our players to yell out answers is we want to do what's called piggybacking. An idea might be that being average is the enemy. Piggybacking off of that, someone might say mediocrity is the enemy. Those are essentially the same idea, but your team might like one idea over the other. And as people continue to build on this idea, you'll start to realize that there is a trend in what players think is and isn't appropriate for them as a group. Some other ideas of what could be an enemy, just from my own brainstorming, could be, like I said, being average, mediocrity, I think laziness could be the enemy. If you want to change it to something specific, it could be maybe the top team in your conference or in your league. If you are a very high level program, maybe you want to say that every other team in the state is your enemy. I think there's different pros and cons to the type of enemy that you identify, but what matters most is that your whole team can get behind that idea. So don't rule out something just because it doesn't seem right or you can already see issues with it, let the players build from there because you never know what someone's going to come up with, especially if they feel the freedom to say whatever is on their mind. Once you feel that all of the ideas have been exhausted and you're not coming up with any new ideas, it's time to move on. So I anticipate this taking about 10 to 15 minutes. If you have a very excitable team or a little bit of a crazy team, they might try to go on longer, but try and keep it to that 15 minute mark. Less is fine. And I hope you're writing these down. So if you have a whiteboard, use the whiteboard, write small, that way all of the ideas fit. If not, someone needs to be writing down every answer that you get. Whether it's silly or not, write every single thing down. Now, after all of the ideas are out, I want you to identify maybe the top four to five ideas that the team has come up with that everyone is feeling good about. Once you have those top four to five items, come up with pros and cons for each one of those ideas. For example, if 
there's an idea, let's say the common enemy is laziness. Maybe that's what your team wants to get behind for the season. A pro to that is then everyone's going to be running on the court. They're going to set things up ahead of time and just in general, not be lazy. Uh, The con of having lazy be the enemy is that it's subjective. What does lazy mean? Maybe your team thinks that walking is lazy, but is jogging lazy? That's something that you need to clarify as you're going through and picking these top ideas. That's why we're going through the pros and cons list. Alternatively, if you have a specific team or something that you've identified as the enemy, I'll just give an example from my own playing days um, from high school. So the top team in my league was Westland, and they're a really good program. And if we said that... West Lynn was the enemy. How is that going to help us? What's the pro? Well, they're the top team. So if we need to behave in a way that we want to go and defeat them on the court, then we need to hold ourselves to a very high standard that can have a lot of different meanings. Again, that's subjective, but it will inspire a certain idea in your players so you can run with it. What's a con to that? Well, if West Lynn was our enemy that we're focusing on at practices routinely and using that kind of as our battle cry throughout the season, we're only going to play them two or three times, maybe if we see them at a tournament, but probably only two times. So there's a whole rest of the season that we need to worry about. Will we be as motivated to defeat Lake Ridge, for example? When we go and play them, they're still a really great program, but if our mindset is that West Lynn is the enemy, does that transfer easily into playing every other team in our conference? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. It's up to your team. What motivates different groups varies. I'm not going to tell you what does and doesn't work. You'll figure it out with your own team. But the process of going through pros and cons, again, is to determine what the best choice is for your specific group. So once you have that list of four to five ideas and all the pros and cons, you'll probably have at least two or three that you can get rid of immediately. Maybe you realized, okay, well, worrying about West Lynn all season isn't going to do us any favors or saying that laziness is the enemy isn't specific enough. So we need to come up with something more specific. Maybe a different idea was better. So just get rid of the ones that not everyone is on board with. You'll probably have two to three ideas that everyone really likes. And you just need to ask your team to decide together with everybody's input, is this an enemy that we can all agree on? And you want to come up with one final answer. And this is what you're going to focus on throughout the season. Now, the whole purpose of this entire exercise is to come up with an idea that's created by your players. This is going to create more buy-in. And it's really so important that everyone agrees. If you've got 12 players on your roster and you've got two players in the corner that don't really like what everyone has come up with, you've got to get rid of that option because those two players are going to hold everyone back if they can't agree. I would say that'll probably take five to 10 minutes. Once your team finally comes up with an answer for what the enemy is for the season, then it's really important that you come up with a way to include that for the rest of the season. This isn't an exercise that you do one time and then never think about again. You're using this exercise to not only bond early in the season or when your team is going through a rough patch of some sort, you're using this 
to, as I said in the beginning of this podcast, inspire a shared vision. So we want everyone to be on the same page, knowing what everyone is working against. And then when I talked about Tuckman's stages of group development, which is forming, storming, norming, and performing, really this exercise could apply to the forming stage, storming stage, and the beginning of the norming stage. So it really could fit. If your team is in those stages, this exercise would be great for you to do, but it's helping your team come up with one goal that they are all working towards, that they can all get behind and trust each other to work on and settle into a role on the team that allows them to contribute to that overall goal. So maybe after this exercise, you wanna come up with a team motto or you wanna come up with a new cheer that you use to break out at practice or after a timeout. Again, this isn't something that you do once and forget about. Don't do this exercise unless you're going to carry it throughout the season. You need some consistency and you need to show that it was worth taking the 30, 45 minutes at practice to do this exercise. Although I use the phrasing common enemy, you can change it maybe. So you could either say that mediocrity is the enemy or you are against mediocrity or defeat mediocrity. However you want to phrase it, approach your team that way. But again, come up with a little tagline or add it to some cheers. Talk about it throughout the season. Don't put it on the back burner. If this is something that you're interested in doing with your team, I created some worksheets that you can print out on getthepancake.com. If you go to getthepancake.com shop or if you just search for common enemy on getthepancake.com, you will be able to find these worksheets and it's going to include instructions, detailed prompts to give your players, worksheets for your players to fill out, and it's going to include ways to reinforce this idea throughout your season. This is definitely an exercise that you can do on your own, but there is going to be a lot of prep work and you want to make sure that you are conveying the message in a correct way. So if you want to save a little bit of time, like I said, and get the packet that I've created, it'll give you all the wording, all of the instructions. That way you're not tripping over your words trying to explain this process to your team. I'll include a link to the shop so that you can go directly to the worksheets as well. Again, check out Tuckman's stages of group development, and I also highly recommend the leadership challenge. Thank you so much for listening to the Get the Pancake podcast. I have so much love for all you coaches who are coming back week after week, who are participating in the Facebook group. That will be linked in the description as well. And for everyone on Instagram, P.S., we just hit 10,000 followers, which is really cool. But at the same time, you know, it's not a numbers game. It's about making an impact on people. And that is what Get the Pancake is all about. So it's cool that we hit 10K, that we have that big of a reach. However, The purpose of Get the Pancake is always to continue to provide new, intermediate, and experienced coaches with resources that allow you to become a better coach, to be more confident in yourself with the end goal of just helping as many players have a positive volleyball experience as possible. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.